Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information, go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. time we hope you're having fun we believe worshiping jesus should be fun he's uh he's not just alive on easter he's alive every day and so we tend to enjoy uh, getting a little loud and celebrating here it's 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 pretty awesome so hey you know what i just discovered you got to look around the room do y'all see there are some seats empty isn't this amazing you know what we just discovered the second great truth first one jesus is alive second one donuts work come on y'all right For those of you that have no idea what I'm talking about, last week I bought off the second service. I said, if you will come to the first service, we'll have donuts for you. And apparently you guys are the ones who eat health food, because look, you're all still here, so that's pretty awesome. Anyway, glad to worship with you guys. Happy Easter. Glad to have you guys here. And uh, you did actually choose the right service this time. Last service was (laughs) no parking spaces, no seats, and uh, no donuts uh, left over. Um, You know, so that's the way that works. Good to see you guys. So, hey, you know what? We are already looking forward to what next Easter holds. We've been talking about it for a few weeks. Just want to remind you guys, here's what's cool. Think about this. This very could well be, we hope and we expect and think this will be our last Easter in this building. Come on, let's celebrate that. So for those of you that are new to Grace Life, here's what our plan is. We've been leasing this building for a few years, and we are working right now to purchase a 70,000-square-foot warehouse that is adjacent to a piece of property we own. We're going to do a complete renovation on it that uh, will just be amazing to see what is going to happen there. And then we, we think we're going to be in there by this time next year. So if you'd like to know more about what's going on or have any questions about how you could be involved, three ways you can do uh, that to get some information. First one, there's a brochure in our lobby. The second one, our website has an entire page dedicated to that with some videos about what's happening. And then the third one is if you have a smartphone, everybody has a smartphone, right? Because y'all, y'all do know it's 2017, right? Okay. And if you have a smartphone, get the gracelife.church app and on the app also all the information about what we're doing. Uh, we're just so excited for where we'll be in a year. So here's what's crazy, actually. It's Easter and we're already talking about next Easter. I think that's because like Easter is the Super Bowl Sunday for churches. I mean, that's just being honest. It's what we do. We will see more lives change sometimes on this day than maybe another month or two combined. God just brings uh, so many people with such an expectant heart and such exciting things happen. And so I know as a pastor, I'm always thinking, wow, I wonder what's going to happen and and what stories am I going to hear and and who's going to, you know, uh, talk about what God's done in their lives. I just can't wait. But when I was a kid, none of those things were on my mind. I grew up going to church, so I grew up being dragged to Easter church all the time, like multiple times in one day. Did anybody have to go to church multiple times on Easter Sunday? Like, right? Here here are two reasons. Here's what I remember when I was a kid. First thing I remember about church and Easter as a kid is new clothes. Come on, right? I had sisters. They all had to get, like, new Easter dresses. I had to get, like, a new suit and a new tie and whatever. And speaking of that, come on. For those of you who are guests, it's a momentous occasion. I'm wearing a tie. We actually joked as a staff, there should be like confetti cannons that go off when I take to the stage. And we actually were thinking about it till we realized somebody had to clean that up. So we're not going to do that, but there you go. So, you know, pretty amazing. We always make the joke, someone, someone has to get married or, or, or die for me to wear a tie, right? And then I said that in the last service, and everybody came to me and reminded me, you know, yeah, Jesus did, right? It's like, oh, 
Okay, I get it. Yeah, but I'm still not wearing a tie every day. There you go. Anyway, second thing I remember about Easter is sunrise service. Did anybody grow up having to go to church in the dark so you could watch the sun come up, right? And as a kid, I remember thinking this was the craziest tradition. Now, look, no disrespect intended if this is your favorite thing. I'm just telling you what I thought as a kid. When I was a kid, and they would drag us off to church, wake us up in the middle of the night, you had to get dressed, and you had to go like to some lakeside dock or something where you could watch the sun come up across the lake. I'm thinking, okay, I understand the significance. Like 2,000 years ago, some people got up with the sun to go to the tomb to, you know, to see what was going on and to dedicate the body and all that kind of stuff, and the body was gone. And so it's an amazing event that, like, when the sun comes up, Jesus is arisen, you know? I mean, he's like, woo, yeah, but you know, I'm thinking as a kid, like, we missed it by 2,000 years. <laughs> Sleeping four more hours is not going to change that. Like... Jesus is alive. We can go to church at 10 a.m. We can sleep in. It's still going to be good. Anyway, so sorry if that's sacrilegious to anybody. I'm just telling you what I remember as a kid. But it was, it was just part of our family tradition. It's what we did. Everybody got new clothes. Everybody went to church. I'm going to imagine some of you are here as a part of your tradition. Maybe you're in town visiting your mom, visiting family, and they've dragged you off to church. It's a part of their tradition. It's what they do. So, you know, what I know is here this morning, every one of us might be here for a different reason. And, and we have different reasons because we're in different places in our journey with where we are in, with, with following God. So I know that there are some of us here this morning, we believe Jesus died, rose again for us, and we are here to celebrate what we believe. We're just like, man, let's do this thing. This is awesome. And then I know some of us, we're here not to celebrate what we believe. We're here to discover what we believe. And you've maybe come a little voluntarily. Maybe you've been dragged along. Maybe you're still in that place of wondering, like, so what is true and what does this mean to me? And so what I would like for us to do today, what I believe God has given me about a year ago, matter of fact, it was a year ago, it was Easter last year. That's how far ahead we plan sometimes. I was, I was on the front row getting ready to come and preach Easter last year, and God gave me this question for, for now. And so here's our question we need to answer today, and that is, what if? Can y'all handle that? Complicated question. What if? What if Jesus died for you? And what if he didn't? And before we answer that question, though, what I want us to think about, though, is the question of why. Why did Jesus die for us? If you've got your Bibles, our passage today is only one sentence, so it's going to be pretty easy for us to, to get through. If you don't have your Bibles, it's on the screen right behind me. And it comes out of Romans, and it's this uh, passage here in Romans 5, 8 that says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And that's why. Because it's God showing us how much he loves us. And you, I think one of the greatest misbeliefs we have in the world today is the idea that we have to work really hard. If, if I'm good enough, if I behave well enough, if I go to church enough times, if I volunteer enough, maybe if I just try really, really hard, I can earn God's love. But that is just one of the greatest misbeliefs out there. I'd actually like to say it's, it's even kind of aided by the enemy. Because you know what the enemy loves to do is he loves to take a truth and, and distort it. And it's like, okay, so Jesus died for you, but I'm going to see if I can keep you from really getting access to what he's done for you by making you think that you can, you can earn more love. You can work really hard. You can be really good. And then all that makes us do is feel like we're not good enough all the time. It's a horrible misbelief that we live in. But here's what I want you to know. God's love has already been proven. 
God's love was proven before you were ever born. God's love was proven before you ever did one thing right. God's love was proven when you and I, outside of time, were combined with all of humanity that stood against God in His ways. So here's the great question for us today is, how do we possibly think we could act good enough to earn more of that love? It's already proven. And I think that'll be helpful to some of us that are thinking, wow, you know what, wow, I don't have to earn that, that that's amazing. So here's what I want us to talk about today because that is an amazing truth. You cannot do anything to make God love you more. But some of us have heard this and we don't believe it. Then we've got those of us who believe it, but we haven't responded to it. And then there are those of us who have responded to it, but we've kind of decided it's a small response. We put God in a little box. He gets this part of us. We're going to let him do this thing. Maybe we're going to go to church on occasion, maybe even quite often. Some of us, you know, we're just going to give him an hour a week, every week, you know, religiously, like even on vacation, right? Because if you don't go to church on vacation, God can't bless your vacation. Just see if y'all are listening. That's the, I grew up in a family where you had to wear a suit going to church, and you had to do it at Myrtle Beach when it was 95 degrees in July. I'm just saying, okay, mom, seriously, like, first of all, we're on vacation, pastor's not going to know if we're going and we don't know that pastor so seriously can we not just go to the beach no we got to go to church all right come on i'll give in to that if we can just wear shorts and flip-flops so there you go it was my life mission to grow up and start a church where we can share wear shorts and flip-flops every single sunday there you know now you know the truth grace life is born out of a soul wound But we put God in this little box where we, where we try to do you know, just enough good. Like, okay, so I'm going to go to church most Sundays. I'm going to commit a few less crimes. I'm going to cut back on robbing banks because, you know, I've been robbing like once a month, you know. I'm going to cut down once a quarter. There we go. That's what I'm going to do for God because, you know. Here's the truth. If Jesus died for you, then you are loved by God. You are loved by God in a way that you cannot bring any increase to that. There is not one good thing you can do. There is not a hundred good things you can do. There are not a million good things you can do that will ever demonstrate God's love greater than the fact that Jesus died for you. Not one thing could ever increase his love for you. You know, we use a phrase sometimes that I don't think we fully know the meaning of. We'll say something like, oh, I love you to death. I've got a six-year-old daughter. And she, she likes to do this competition thing with how much she, she loves me. And so she'll say this thing like, Daddy, I love you 100%. And then, then her brothers just got on her. You know, older brothers are just like annoying, aren't they? You know? And so they're like, well, 100% is like the whole thing. So that's not even important. You know, whatever. So then she's like, I love you 1,000%. You know, whatever. And she makes up a new number every time. And it, it, it's kind of funny. And so sometimes she'll come up and give me the biggest hug she can possibly muster up and say, I'll love you to death. Except that she's six years old and her hugs don't quite love me to death, which is thankful because, you know, I'm glad that she can't break me in half. I want you to think about this though. We use that phrase all the time to talk about like, this is how much I love you, but Jesus literally loved us to death. You ever thought about that? Literally, you have been loved to death. And so that's the question that I want us to answer today. If Jesus loved you to death, if Jesus died for you, what does that mean? What if? What if Jesus died for you? What if he didn't? And so for those of us 
that are maybe in a place you're still you're on your journey and you're like I don't know what I believe and I don't know if I've responded you know maybe there's some truth out there maybe Jesus really did die I don't know what that means to me uh, you know what do I need to do with this I want you to answer just this question today what if he did and what would that mean to you how would that change your life. And I'm just going to share a couple of thoughts. I don't have an all-encompassing list of all the things that would be different about your life. But the, the first one is it would mean there is literally a free gift of salvation and forgiveness that is just waiting for you. And it's kind of like Christmas morning. Everybody opens the gifts under the tree, and then they go and have lunch, and there was one left. It was just, it's just literally sitting there waiting for the person to whom it belongs. And it's just been sitting there waiting for you. There is a free gift that's there Anytime you finally want to respond to the fact that Jesus died. The second one, if Jesus died for you, is it, it would mean you no longer have to live with guilt and shame over what you've done, over your past, or over your present. You know, one thing I've really discovered in my years of being a pastor is some of us don't struggle as much with what we've done as who we are. The enemy, one of his primary activities, we talked about this last week, one of his primary activities is to accuse the people of God. You're not good enough. You've done this wrong. Oh, you know what that about you? If people knew that about you, God can't love you because of that. I mean, he just, the lies just never end. And so all too, too many of us, we, we, we know that Jesus died for the sin and, and, and we're, we're, we get past what we did yesterday, but we can't get past who we are because of those things in our lives. And we look in a mirror and we just hang our heads in shame. But if Jesus died for you, you never have to live with that guilt and shame again. If Jesus died for you, you no longer have to wake up every day and wonder, what can I do today to be good enough? What can I do today that might tip the scales? What can I do? Okay, there's that annoying person at work. I will buy them free coffee. Then God will like me. You know, we, we just have these things that go through our mind of, Okay, so that person that I just want to slap every day, I won't slap them today, you know, that kind of thing. That if I can just tolerate the annoying people of the world, if I don't flip anybody off in Columbia traffic on the way to work, right, you know, we think that we're doing, I can just, you wouldn't have to wake up every day trying to go through a list of what could I do to make God happy with me. And then if Jesus died for you, well, and you no longer you keep choosing not to respond, then at some point we're, we're not going to have an excuse. At some point there is nothing there. You know, we, we use this phrase all the time, you saved my life for really simple everyday things. Like a, a, a kid who forgets their science fair project and your science fair project is like half your grade. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And the other half of your grade is your homework you didn't do. So you really need your project. You left it at home. So you call your mom, mom, please bring my project. She's like, I'm busy. I can't do it. And then mom shows up with your project. And you're like, oh, I love you. You're the best mom ever. You saved my life. Right? Come on, we've all done it. Yep. And, and, and two weeks ago, because I didn't go to the gym this week, I confess. Two weeks ago, I was in the gym and I walked into the locker room and there was a wallet like on this counter where you get dressed in front of the mirror and, and you do your hair or whatever. I guess somebody was getting dressed, they did everything and they turned around and they walked out without their wallet. So I walk in, there's a wallet. You can even see cash kind of sticking out of it. So my first thought is like, okay, this is a trick. It's like candid camera, except it's a locker room. Anybody got candid cameras in the locker room is gonna get in trouble for this. Uh, you go to jail for that kind of stuff, right? 
But I'm still thinking somebody's just kind of like curious what's going on. So I, I just, I'm not going to touch the wallet. I'm just looking at it, and I just kind of go ahead, and I'm, I'm kind of getting ready to go work out and everything. And this other guy comes up and says, hey, is this your wallet? Like, no, actually, that, that was there when I came in. He's like, all right, well, you see. He was nervous as I was. All right, you see me. I'm, I'm going to take it to the front desk. And then this person comes in like, oh, man, you've got my wallet. Thank you, man. You saved my life. Really? Wow, that wallet's really valuable, isn't it? But I want you to think about it this way. We use that phrase, and we're so grateful in an everyday circumstance, like now you don't have to get a new driver's license. You saved my life. But what about the fact that if Jesus died, he did save your life, literally and eternally. And so when this life is over, new life begins. I mean, think about that. The gratitude that we would show someone who found our wallet. Do we do the same for Jesus? Now, look, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you the hardest thing that I have to do as a pastor. Well, that might not be true, but it makes the top three. The top three of hardest things I have to do as a pastor is on Easter, figure out what to say to everyone else that already knows Jesus died for him and, and to still challenge him. Because too often, here's what we do as Christians, like, yeah, it's Easter. Let me get on my best clothes. And I'm going to go and then we have lunch and it's going to be a great day. But the pastor's not going to say anything I've never heard before. One of the hardest things about our job is trying to figure out what can we do that will challenge you to grow today. And I believe it's this question. So if you already know Jesus died for you, and you already believe that he rose again, and he's your king, I want you to answer this question. What if he didn't? What if he didn't? What if you had to wake up every day and try to figure out how you could be right with God. You know, we wake up and we talk about this like, hey, good morning, God, so good to see you. Or maybe your thing is you don't talk to God till after you've had your coffee. Any coffee people, all right, you gotta have your coffee. And then once you've had your coffee, you're like, oh, good morning, God, it's so good to see you. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Come on. I know what you guys are like, right? No candid cameras, though, promise. And, and, and so, you know, but here's the deal. The fact that we can get up and say, good morning, God, is simply because we're right with God. I want you to imagine a reality where if you were to wake up and you were to think, I'm about to say, good morning, God. Oh, my gosh. He's like perfectly holy and I'm not and Jesus. That whole thing never even happened. I can't even talk to God. I'm not even able to say, good morning, God. You would fall out of bed kind of like, I hope this is not the day that he finally strikes me down. I hope this isn't the day that he finally calls me to account. If Jesus didn't die, it would mean that we wake up every day thinking, what do I do about my sin? Maybe you start looking at the Old Testament. Or is there a place where I can take enough cows and, and, and goats and sacrifice them? Will that pay for my sin? I don't know. I mean, there are just so many things I've done wrong. And, and how do I deal with the shame and, and, and the guilt and, and how I feel. and It would mean I wake up every day feeling condemned, and I would be because that word forgiveness, that's never happened. And it would mean I wake up every day terrified about what the end of this life would bring. So I just want us to think for a minute. I want you to imagine that reality. I want you to imagine living in that pressure every day. I want you to imagine living in a reality where Jesus didn't die for you. 
and what your future would hold. And it's not just you. I don't know if we realize how much good is in the world because of what Jesus has done. How many kind people there are and kind acts that take place and how much civil good there is simply because Jesus has put his followers in places. Imagine if none of that had ever happened. Imagine a reality, if we could, where Jesus didn't die for us. And my hope for us today is that imagining that reality will lead us to the most incredible gratitude of thank God that is not reality. Thank you, Jesus, that you did die for me. And that would lead us to this. Wow. Imagining that reality was so terrifying. Maybe there's this part of my life I've been holding back that I could let go of finally. Maybe it's, 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 it's the way that I give. Maybe it's the way that I work. Maybe it's the way that I treat people. Maybe it's my attitudes. Maybe it's the way that I serve. Maybe there's whatever it is. Because I think every single one of us knows we're grateful Jesus died for us, but there's a part of our lives where we don't quite give it all. There's, there's a little something we hold back, like I deserve a bad attitude. Have you met my boss? If you've met my boss, I deserve to have a bad attitude. I've seriously met married people that are like, oh, don't tell me not to have a bad attitude. You never met my spouse, you know? It's, it's, it's taking that part of whatever it is where we don't let Jesus have complete control and saying, man, it, once I have to think about what it would be like if you never died for me, I give it all. I give it, I give it all to you. What a gratitude. What if Jesus died for you? And what if he didn't? Wherever you are today, what if Jesus died for you? And what if he didn't? You know, the beauty of this question is no one, no one's immune. There's not a single person in this room that does not need to deal with that. I mean, those are powerful questions, aren't they? If you really stop and think about that for a moment, there is not one person in this room that is either not in a place of saying, I'm not sure what I believe, and even if I know Jesus died, I'm not sure how to respond to that. You know, I'm not sure I want to do the whole Christian thing yet. I, I haven't responded yet. You're in that place of saying, what if he did? What am I going to do about this? When? When am I going to do something about this? When am I going to respond? You know, one of the great lies of the enemy, again, we already said it today, he takes a truth and he, he just messes it up enough to keep us from getting what really comes with it. And one of the, the greatest truths, of course, is that Jesus did die so that we can be forgiven of our sins and, and have eternal life with God. But the, the problem is the enemy sneaks in and goes, yeah, 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 Jesus died for all humanity. Don't worry about it. You're good to go. Well, factually, that's true. But what that does is it, it messes up your thought that you need to respond to it. You see, it goes like this. Jesus died for you. He died for you. And you have to respond. And the enemy loves to make you think like, no, 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 all you need to do is know that it's true. If you know that it's true, don't worry about it. Don't think about it again. Just go on about life. What if Jesus died for you? How are you going to respond? And then the rest of us, what if he didn't? I mean, doesn't that just overwhelm you with gratitude, the thought of, I'm so glad that that reality can never come into existence. I will never have to face 
that world that I just tried to imagine. I'll never have to live that life. Matter of fact, some of you remember that life because it was before we responded. We never have to go back to the feelings of condemnation and shame and guilt and all of those things that come with it. And so what we want to do today, a little different, is we just want to take a moment and give room for the Holy Spirit. We're all here to listen and say, God, what, what would you say to me? If you haven't yet agreed that you believe or you've believed you haven't yet responded, just say, okay, God, what, what would you want me to do? And if you know that Jesus died for you and now you've, you've had a new understanding of what it's like because of imagining a reality where he didn't, then say, okay, God, what have I been holding back? What would you like from me? And so we, we want to kind of help you think about where you are today with God. And I think the best thing I can do is make sure every individual truly, actually makes a decision for yourself. Where, where are you? And so what we came up with to help you today, we're calling it a spiritual survey, but don't get scared by that. What it is is one question, and it's even multiple choice. So, you know, it's not even that complicated. And so we're going to pass those out now. Those of you seated on the left-hand side of your rows, you've got the hardest work. You have to lean over. And if you can, there is a bucket underneath your chair. And then if you would, just start passing that bucket down the row. And if everybody would, please take out one of those cards. And on this card is a very simple one question of helping you think about where you are. You see, unfortunately, one of the things that we do in the church world so often is we will tell you the truth about what God has done for you, but we won't create an opportunity for you to think about what it means. And so I want to help you, I want to challenge you to think about where do you stand? Where do you stand? We're not going to come and knock on your door if you choose the wrong answer and harass you. I promise that. Matter of fact, we'd actually like to use it to serve you. And so you'll notice there's a blank for what would you like us to teach on? What would you like us to preach on? We've got an entire opening in our calendar. We've got a series later in this year that's set up for answering that question. Whatever you would like for us to talk about here at Grace Life. If there's anything on your heart, let us serve you if you would do that. Let's take just a moment and think about what if Jesus died for you and what if he didn't? Let's fill this out together. Sacrifice set us free You carried our guilt to Calvary Now the day set aside by the enemy was turned into our victory the sacrifice has set us free. You carried our guilt to Calvary. Now the day set aside by the enemy was turned into our victory. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.